Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Grain Feed, brought to you by EverAct. This is your weekly news feed for all things grain and all things feed. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives from an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping dairy and livestock producers manage their risk. I'm your host, Jim Matthews, reporting from the Chicago office. After spending the last day or two in the great Hoosier state of Indiana, joining me this morning and someone who also joined me in Indiana yesterday, dairy broker and agent, Miss Kathleen Wolfley. And as always, from Texas, Director of Feed Procurement, Mr. Jake Kingsley. Team, how are we today? Pretty good. How are you guys? Couldn't be any happier to be here, Jim. Wow, that's amazing. Glad to hear that, Kathleen. Uh, you had a wild trip yesterday. You, you did a pit stop in Toledo, right, the first night to get to northern Indiana, and then you turned around last night and drove all the way back to Western slash upstate New York. How was that? It was great. I think it was a record. I only stopped one time in eight and a half hours. That's that's incredible. Yeah, put that one in the record books, guys. I I think that is a record. I'm impressed. I drove for an hour and then got hungry again. And then as soon as I got home, I was hungry and had to eat again. So it's just, I pretty much have to load up on food. Uh, especially an eight-hour trek. Well done. Um, Jake, you were very busy probably crossbreeding citrus plants. How did that go? <laughs> not well. It's very hot here in Texas, so uh, pollination is not going well. I'm very sorry to hear that, Jake. Um, but speaking of pollination, we will lead into the grain and feed markets because it's that key time of year for our favorite crops here in the U.S. So, Paige. If you would kindly timestamp the broadcast, it's Thursday morning. It's been another wild week in the Chicago markets. We've had another weather-driven rally over the last day or so with big swings in the market and also some heightened concerns in the Black Sea region. But with every weather market, we get those big wild swings and big volatility. And of course, oftentimes better to sit these out rather than chase, depending on the market. As I look to the board as we record this Thursday morning, corn once again did try to attempt $5.60, $5.60 a bushel, uh, but it's pulled back to below five fifty. So we're seeing a lot of choppiness here as we move forward through the rest of July. The December meal contract, again, tried to push $4.20, $420 per ton, but has pulled her back a little bit towards 410. So those protein levels remaining a bit heightened after that uh, bean acreage report from just a few weeks ago now. So we relayed some of this information uh, to some of our favorite dairymen in the great state of Indiana yesterday. And we'd also discussed what's been happening in the dairy market lately and how it impacts those farmers. So Kathleen, if you don't mind reviewing some of those notes from the audience yesterday and relay it to the audience this morning. What's going on with milk? Yeah, sure thing. Well, it's been another really topsy-turvy week in the dairy markets, particularly on the cheese and the class three front. I would say generally it, it does seem as though the tone is starting to shift in a more positive direction on the cheese and class three side of things, in part because it's summertime, it's hot, We're starting to see a little bit of seasonal tightness in milk production. Cheese markets or cheese availability, particularly for fresh 
cheese, which is the currency in Chicago, seems to be following suit. If we look at California alone, California uh, cows are starting to feel the stress after a couple days of 100 plus degrees and the expectation looking at the, the weather for Visalia for the week ahead looks like 100 plus for the next seven days as well. I think it's a similar story in the Southwest. Jake can attest to that. And the Midwest is supposed to get a little warm next week too. So like I said, it's summer. We typically see heat stress in, in the dairy herd this time of year. So no real big shocking news, but that does tend to lead to a little less milk production. I'd also note that slaughter rates are starting to pick up uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. We've seen slaughter rates above the five-year average pace. So I suspect that producers are looking at these high cold cow prices and saying, hey, any animal that's kind of looking at me funny or is not producing up to where I need her to be producing given current feed costs, she's going to the sale barn um, to get a little cash on the on the call market. Last thing on on the cheese markets, Jim, cheese in class three. One of the other reasons why we, I suspect we probably started to see a little bit of a tone shift is that we are starting to pick up a few more no- notes on better demand, both in the domestic market. And there is some talk that those low cheese prices that we saw a couple of weeks ago may have helped uh, to move a few more spot exports as well, potentially helping to clean up some of the excess that we were feeling just a couple of weeks back. So I would say Jim and Jake, even though it seems like the cheese market is has probably made a bottom at this point, we do continue to see pretty sizable carry in the futures market with a rough 30 cent spread between spot block cheddar prices and November cheese futures. So I think that right now, one of the big questions in the market is whether the market can realistically or cheese prices can realistically get back to 185, 190 type prices into the fourth quarter, given persistent concerns around demand, both domestic and internationally, and the fact that we are still seeing growth in milk production. So a big carry in the futures market today, even though it seems like the tone is starting to shift, you just have to wonder how much upside is there given all the dynamics uh, at play. Okay, understood. Thank you, Kathleen. I believe we were also noting before recording, we've got a couple reports maybe uh, over the next few days. Are there anything in particular that our dairy producers should be looking out for? Yeah, for sure. The end of the month is always a an interesting one as we get the milk production report today, Thursday, July 20th. Um, our models are pointing to somewhere around a half percent increase in milk production year over year for the month of June. But I think that producers should really be watching that cow number how many cows are we ahead of prior levels um, here in the month of June? How is that trend starting to shift? And next week on Tuesday, we get a USDA cold storage report that'll give us a little bit better idea of how the seasonal build wrapped up for both cheese and butter. So two reports to watch here in the next couple days. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that, Kathleen. Very much appreciate your insights here this morning and of course yesterday in the great state of Indiana. Jake, Kathleen mentioned a couple of the reports that are coming out for dairy producers. Fortunately, we do not have any big reports coming out on the grain and feed side from the government uh, really for a few weeks now. So we get a little bit of a breather, but we look at what the government did over the last two reports, and we deserve to have a bit of a breather, especially on the protein side. Uh, And as we move again into somewhat of a weather market, if you will, 
things have kind of moved around a bit and we've had corn rally back up to some recent highs. Meal continues to push a little higher as we look at the exchange this morning. So how has this rally in futures done anything in terms of maybe relieving the basis market for some of our dairy producers? Any insights there? Yeah, so I think this little rally that we've seen here over the last few days has kind of spurred some some Midwest producers to take advantage of an, another opportunity to get some corn sold into the rail market and into some of their other destination markets here. And so we've seen another little dip in Western rail destination corn basis. Not a huge break, but a continued downtrend that we've seen developing over the last four to six weeks or so. We're within arm's reach of what I would call historically average basis ranges for corn in a lot of the Western U.S. and a lot of the Western Corn Belt as well. Uh, much better than we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, areas where you guys were traveling yesterday, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, not seeing quite as big of a break, but still relatively attractive numbers compared to the last few years that we've been dealing with. So we haven't jumped in and and bought everything we need for next year, but certainly considering or actively taking advantage of this opportunity to get, you know, maybe the first quarter of the year's needs booked up as far as a basis contract is concerned. I mean, these are, again, some of the better values we've seen in quite a while. So you want to lock up a little bit of that while you can. But again, it seems like this trend downward could be continued, especially if we maintain a yield somewhere in the low 170s or even the high 160s and get into harvest. We could see that more traditionally seasonal break as we go into harvest there. So taking advantage of a little bit of it early, but definitely wanting to remain flexible as we get into what we would call maybe an opportunistic environment later this year. Protein has kind of stalled out. And in fact, in a lot of places kind of perked back up a little bit. I think as you had noted earlier, the bean balance sheet took a fair beating here. And in fact, the Canadian canola balance sheet has thinned out a little bit here. I think they're expecting a potential return to more normal export numbers there. We'll see how that plays out because a lot of that is is canola and meal going to China. So we'll see. I kind of wonder if that's not more so uh, a concern with the headlines we're seeing out of the Black Sea right now. They are the world's leading exporter of sunflower oil. So by nature, they're going to also export quite a bit of sunflower meal, uh, typically to China. So we will see how that plays out. I think there's probably some room for that balance sheet in Canada to fluff back up a little bit. But for the moment, basis there is kind of stalled out and perked up a little bit. But I think if you're going to do anything in the protein realm, you continue to keep it in the October to March window so that if South America gets something good going um, and has a nice harvest February, March time frame, we have plenty of room to work there in the second half of the feed year. Okay. Thanks for that, Jake. Uh, in terms of the, just to focus on your timeline on the Octa March, right, for that protein with futures the way they are at the moment, is that more on a basis level? We had a couple of folks ask us uh, yesterday uh, with the change in market dynamics just over the last few weeks, uh, maybe what we've been advising lately. Um, so would it be from a basis contract only for that Oc March period for now? I, I think with today's values, yeah, you'd probably work in more of a basis only type of contract and then shoot for a futures target like you were talking earlier on sub 400. I think uh, there's a good chance that that 365 number that we printed 
a few months ago was probably the low tide mark for soybean meal futures. So it's going to be probably tough to get back there unless we really see our balance sheet here in the U.S. bulk up. I think we'd have to see a surprisingly strong yield at harvest to do that. But for the moment, basis only, and then try to get something 400, 390, maybe even as aggressive as a 380 type of target on the futures versus the December contract there. Okay. Understood, Jake. I agree with you on that front in terms of, unfortunately, for our protein buyers, that 365 realm uh, leading up to uh, that acreage report, probably the low for now with some time over the second half of the feed year heading into next year. And Jake, you do deserve some credit, I believe, on the bold predictions recording of a week ago or so. Or so. We asked 450 or 550 December corn futures. I believe you said 550. I think I did. You're right. I almost forgot. I think it did. I didn't forget. I didn't forget. Now, they did not take the yield numbers down uh, as aggressively as you were predicting. But because it's a weather market, because we have this volatility, we did come up and hit 550 very quickly, nonetheless. So very well done, Jake. Well, thank you. We got it out of the way. Now we can make our way to 450 and try to get an opportunity <laughs> for these dairies. <laughs> I hope you're right, bud. We hope you're right. Let's get some of that rain shifting back into the forecast. Um, I don't have any trivia or bold predictions today, but Kathleen, as you can imagine, based on our New York trip uh, from just a few weeks ago, uh, one of the first things I ate when I returned home yesterday was ice cream. So just a personal question. Kathleen, what's your favorite ice cream? Okay, so there is a local ice cream manufacturer, Perry's Ice Cream, here in the Buffalo area, in Akron specifically. And they have this ice cream called Let's Dough Buffalo, which, number one, Let's Dough Buffalo. Number two, it's just delicious. It's it's my best it's the it's the best ice cream, but they also have one for the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians, Guardians. yes, it's like the chocolate version. Oh, it's like they have the Let's Go, Go Buffalo, and they have the chocolate version, which is the same, but it's chocolate. Okay, so what's in the Let's Dough Buffalo? Is it cookie dough? I think that it's like a cookie dough ice cream, but it has other really amazing inclusions. Oh. Okay. Yeah, which I believe is the appropriate term for what they add to ice cream to make it so special. Excellent. Well, oh. vaguely delicious in the Let's Dough Buffalo ice cream flavor. Jake? I wouldn't say vaguely delicious. I would say just plain delicious. Just, it's not plain. It's not plain. It sounds wonderful. Jake? Favorite ice cream? So if I had to go with just straight up scoops of ice cream, it's going to be chocolate chunk. But my preferred my preferred dish would be a plain vanilla shake. A plain vanilla shake. Excellent, Jake. I did almost stop at a steak and shake yesterday. They always, uh, they always just kind of pulled me back in, you know? Right when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Uh, my favorite flavor is mint chocolate chip. Ew, gross. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Wait. Well, hold on. Kathleen, ooh, yeah, gross or ooh, yeah, good? Oh, yeah, good. That's like oh, okay. <laughs> Come on, Jake. What's wrong okay. with you, man? Let, let's be honest. Jake just said that his favorite is a vanilla milkshake. Not a big fan After... of mint in my ice cream. That's all. <laughs> After establishing chocolate chunks. So if for, for the viewers out there and everyone in the audience, if you are in the uh, Northeast Ohio and or Western slash upstate New York area. 
please check out that Perry's ice cream and their Let's Dough Buffalo. Yes, which and I just whatever... it's cookie dough ice cream with crushed cookie swirls and cookie dough pieces. Beautiful. And and also whatever the Cleveland version is. Yes. Whatever that happens, to be, check that out too. Or don't. Yeah. It's a Cleveland version of it. So don't worry. <laughs> um, I think that's going to be all for today. Excellent work to you both. Thanks for your tidbits on your very personal questions I've asked you. I appreciate the insights there. A big thanks to Kathleen for returning to the show. Great to have your insights today. We'd also like to thank Corey and the Everag Insights crew for their support. Thank you to Paige for production magic. And thank you to the viewers for watching the grain feed. Contact information is on the screen. We greatly appreciate your feedback. That's all for today. We'll see you next time on the grain feed. At EverAg, we partner with every corner of the agriculture industry, from dairy to livestock, crops, and agribusiness, to deliver intelligent supply chain and risk management solutions. We are EverAg, everything agriculture. Learn more at www.ever.ag everything.